Hear that? It's not just an egg-breaking, it's the world's best omelet. Maybe it's your grandma's favorite recipe, a dinner party showstopper, or perhaps it's just a snack when you're really, really hungry. It could be the meal that keeps a girl in school, or the food that fuels a nation. And when it's farmed properly, that little egg could be the whole world's future. It's simple. Good food is everything. Join the conversation. Search UN Good Food for All. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. And I'm hearing from a lot of people that think they're worried about what the price of pork is going to be because they've heard about a proposition in California, Proposition 12, and it's going to go into effect in 2022. Um but I've got the best person to ask that question uh, about whether or not bacon's going to get too high for the average person, which is what you keep hearing and seeing online. And it's Dan Sumner. And Dan is professor of ag economics at UC Davis. And I've, Dan, I've seen you dig into problems that industries are facing and, and correct misinformation in other industries and other food products. And so, Welcome to the pork world. You don't get to do much pork here in California. Well, we don't grow pork here, but we do eat it. Uh, and and uh, agricultural economics and food economics are uh, much of the same thing. So, uh, and in fact, I've done a series of, of projects with the pork industry for years now, uh, partly because occasionally the industry would like to have somebody dig into stuff that uh, – from somebody that doesn't do pork every day, you know, sometimes you, it's like getting an outside opinion, you know? Yeah. And so uh, uh, my colleague, Rich Sexton and I have often on worked on pork issues uh, for quite a while now. Well, and, and you always do a really good job. So let's start with the easy ones. First of all, somebody is going to come up to you right now and say, gee, I hear because this prop 12, we're not going to be able to afford bacon in California. Uh, true or false? False. Yeah. False. Well, and you explain that false because because when I read the papers that you've done on this and the editorials on it, the one thing that really stood out to me that is always overlooked in these conversations is that this will only affect fresh pork. Isn't that right? Rather than processed? Well, there's two things about it. Um, yes, there's only certain cuts and it's a fresh cuts of pork. And the word cuts matters because that means a piece of an identifiable piece of the pig. And a pork chop or a roast or bacon that's fresh. And the word fresh means you buy it in a form you couldn't eat it. So some hams are sold fresh, and yes. a ham is a cut of pork, and some of them are pre-cooked. And the pre-cook, the ham that you, you know, we you and I may want to throw it on a frying pan or warm it up, but if you could eat it uh, as it comes out of the package, then it's uh, doesn't then this proposition doesn't apply to it. So lunch meats, for example, ham is a lunch meat. It wouldn't apply to that. It also doesn't apply to sausage. Uh, many, uh, not many of us want to eat sausage right out of the uh, uh, out of the package, raw sausage. But but it's not a cut of pork. It's a bunch of different pieces of pork all ground up and put together. So it's about sixty percent of the value of the meat from a pork from a hog that this applies to. 
So 40% is not going to be included. And now of that 60% that it would apply to, and we're going to back in and fill in some more gaps on this, but but what share of that would be normally consumed in food service versus what people might buy at the supermarket? You know, I'm not sure. Pork, um, and, and it would vary a lot by cuts. I think a lot of uh, relatively large share of the bacon um, is is food service in the sense that people, um, you know, buy a breakfast at, at, at a fast food place or something like that that may have some some bacon or bacon-like products with it. Um, but I, pork more than beef is, is consumed at home. But this proposition applies in both places. So it's not just the supermarket. It applies to uh, food service as well. And that's important to recognize. A few years ago, California had, a, had a, uh, uh, some uh, other things where it only applied it to supermarket purchases. It didn't apply for food from food away from home. But this one applies no matter where. So your restaurant is also paying a little bit more for that bacon. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I noticed we've had some new restaurants that have opened recently, and I went down and looked at the menu, and and they've all raised their prices, and I understand why. It's It's been expensive. They've lost a lot of money the last couple of years. But I saw this nice restaurant that they were getting entrees at $35 and $40, um, and some of it would include pork. Um, you know, it'd be kind of hard to think that that was going to see a, that much of a change when they're going to print their their menus, I suppose. Well, uh, let's be clear. Um, the price of pork after this all settles out will be more expensive to produce at the farm. That is it, the California compliant pork. The hog is chopped into two parts, the 60% that it applies to, the 40% that it doesn't. The part to which it doesn't apply, that can't get more expensive, even if it comes from a pig that has to be raised the California way. So all the cost has to show up on the covered products and in California. Nobody in Iowa is going to pay extra for pork because their pork doesn't have to meet the California mm-hmm. standard. So, and our calculations are that it might be five between five and ten percent. We've got more precise than that, but it's fair to say between five and ten percent more. So after this all settles out. I expect your restaurant where the if their pork cost for that $40 meal, the pork cost was $8 or $9 for the restaurant. Well, you know, they might raise the price by 50 cents. Yeah. yeah. So your $40 meal will be $40.50 or maybe $41. Yeah. You see what I'm saying there? And and so the the argument then. And that's also true at the pork, at the at the supermarket. If you were paying five dollars a pound, you might be finding finding yourself paying five fifty for your pork chops. Sure, uh, but it's not going to be that um, we necessarily are going to be stopping people at the border to search the car to see if they're bringing bacon in, or well, it wouldn't be bacon anyway, or fresh pork or something like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, no, bacon's one of the fresh cuts, so it would oh, be okay. bacon. Yep, yep. It bacon is a cut of the pork, so it's and, uh, so and bacon, most of us don't the bacon eat. Bacon is affected, you know. I not sausage, but bacon. 
you went yep. through that whole explanation and and I've got a mental block and it just shows that me as a host, I should be doing better or keeping up, let alone the listeners. Hopefully they're taking notes right now. But I think we need to pause now, Dan, and go back and say what Proposition 12 was. What- yeah, that's good. So, first of all, Proposition 12 also applies to eggs. Uh, it also applies to veal, but that's a, such a small thing. It's not worth uh, a lot of a conversation. When it comes to eggs, it says it's now going to be cage-free. California's had their own standard for eggs for a while, bigger and bigger cages, and now it's cage-free. But interestingly, it's uh, there's lots of cage-free eggs. Lots of people have bought cage-free eggs already. Everybody knows what it is. And as of now, January one. The only thing you're going to find in your supermarket in California is cage-free eggs. Okay. For pork, uh, our standards are different than any pork sold anywhere else in the world at the farm. But it it doesn't apply to the pigs we eat. It applies to the mothers of the pigs we eat. So this could have been the be nice to mothers proposition Mm. (laughs) because it's the sows. And the argument is that sows, the mother sows uh, that have baby pigs that are where the baby pig turns into a big pig, turns into pork and is sold in California. That mother has to have housing for her that meets California standards. Now, that may seem complicated. And I swear to God, that I, you and I don't know about you, but I was one of the few people that I ever talked to that actually read the proposition and know, knew what it said. I read and it. Most pe- I, and, I, it, you know, most of my neighbors said, gee, we have this proposition. Should you be nice to animals or not? I think you should be nice to animals. So I voted yes. But you know, the first couple of times I read the proposition, I got confused, too, about this 24 square feet. Yeah. Uh, instead of what some say is 20 square feet. And I, it didn't soak in that that particular only applied to uh, to the breeding herd and yep. and not to the hogs being finished. And and that's even after I took the whole thing out and read it. And it just, you know, somehow it didn't soak in. So here's the issue. Um, and it really has been an issue for a long time among animal scientists. Uh, pregnant sows. uh and, and let me say, they're almost always pregnant because sure. that's what they do for a living, right. uh, is, is have baby pigs. And those sows, uh, uh, in, in a traditional way of doing it, traditional meaning the last 50 years, not, not ancient history, but the last 50 years, they've been in individual pens, small pens, a stall, so that you could walk down the front of the pen and see the pig's face and see if they're eating right, and walk along the back of the pen, say if you're the veterinarian, and make sure the sow is, the, the manure is, is right, and she looks healthy from the back end. You can also have her bred and these kind of things. Well, these pens weren't very big, and it, much less than 20 square feet uh, per sow as an individual pen. Now, starting about 15 or 20 years ago, People were saying, well, let's let's let sows are, are social animals. Let's put them in, in pens rather than individual stalls. Mm-hmm. The pens aren't as healthy, frankly, but the sows get to do more natural behaviors. Mm-hmm. And if you want to anthropomorphize, neither you nor me or anybody else we know do things only for their health. 
and and uh, you don't have to be a a, a mask uh, 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 abolitionist to say, you know, nobody would ever ride in a car. If you were only doing things in your health, you'd never get in an automobile. That's dangerous. Uh, but we don't live that way. And the argument was these sows need, for social reasons, let's put them in pens. And you're right, Roger, the standard for pen housing, which is about 30% of the sows in the United States and Canada, is uh, pen housing was about 20 square feet each. California said, nope, it's got to be 24 if they come to us. So what this proposition will really accomplish is it won't change the sows in the stalls. They're not coming to California anyway, but it will mean there'll be an extra four square feet or so for the ones that have already been in these pens, because that's the way you'll meet the California state. Well, I think that's, I think that's real important to get to. And, and actually, I think in this whole proposition, the thing that really rang true to a lot of people that voted for it was against what we call gestation crates which yep. I believe your research is saying is maybe there's 30% left and that the industry has been going away from them anyway, for the reasons that you were mentioning. Yeah. It's about 30% that are in pens and about 70%. If you don't like them, you call them crates. If you like them, you call them stalls. They're the oh, same. That's thing. right. That's right. I call that's them crates. Just, so that's a tip off. Yeah, there you go. And it, you know, it is just, uh, uh, and, and I, you know, so much of the rhetoric about this proposition would call them crates, and you can call them that. But what they are is is metal, small metal pens, and it really is true in the standard way of doing it. The sow faces always faces forward. She can stand up, she can lay down, she can wiggle around, but what she doesn't have room to do is turn around. Right. So her feet is in front of her, and the manure is in the back. And you don't have to worry about manure getting in the feed because she can never turn around. Mm -hmm. And if you want to breed her or you want to see that she's doing okay from the back end, you walk along the back end of her. Mm -hmm. And if you want to feed her and take care of her front end and check her mouth and things, you walk along the front end. That makes it very easy to keep the sow healthy, but it doesn't give her a very enriched environment. And that is, is an issue for a lot of people. Well, yeah, and and I have to admit, I love hogs, and I, I have a hard time with this myself. Yeah, uh, and I know a lot of hog farmers that have said the same thing. And I have to point out, many of them are out of the business now, so maybe they maybe that's part of it too. Is the economics required them to? The do economics that. are clear. Now, let me say, it's not hugely more expensive to put them in pens. A little more expensive. You're going to have more space. You're going to have some sows that die that you would have kept healthy if you could check them individually mm -hmm. in an easy way. And once they're out in a pen, it's a little harder to keep track of them. Mm -hmm. uh, if you know hogs, you know that the big sow will knock the little sow out of the way and eat her food if, if they can yeah. get away with it. So, so there's, but, there's it, but Dan, I think in Scandinavia, there's, they've come up with some things that let them let themselves into their private area too, that they can, you know, keep. And that's really expensive. Yeah, that's really expensive. Really nice. So, though. 
oh yeah, it's very nice. And and we could have one, you know, we could all have a sow in our backyard if we really. Yeah, well, we might someday. I think that I'm ready for that as much as chickens, I suppose. But I think uh, the thing I wanted to get. Not in my neighborhood. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We don't like your neighbor to do that. We've got some chickens in the neighborhood. Oh yeah. So do we, but, but, but hog hogs, hogs are a little bit different, but let me say on the, on the, um, the, the other thing they've got is uh, radio tags, a radio yeah. frequency tag on a sow, such that her feed, uh, her individual feed uh, container will open when she gets next to it with her radio tag. Yeah. So the big mean sow uh, wants to knock her out of the way and eat her feed. They've solved that problem. A little more expensive, not as expensive as giving her own private apartment, Right. right. Uh, but, but it's a little more expensive. It's also true that pregnant sows tend to, some of them tend to be mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get quite the same. You get something like a pecking order like you get with chickens when you put them in a big pen. But uh, the, there's few enough sows that they pretty well figure out who's the boss in the pen of 20 or 25 of them. I, you know, a long time ago, I raised, I had sows. And yeah. some, somehow they were out there roughing each other up every bit. And we still have 10 pigs per litter. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. it didn't matter how much they were. You'd be out of business now, of course, because you better get yeah. up to twelve or thirteen. You know, but yeah. no, I got you, Roger. And there's no question that there are ways to do it. And there, I, I've talked to hog farmers. I, I, I have a friend who was a former veterinarian, got into hog farming because he liked pigs. He didn't. He liked dealing with the hogs rather than dealing with his customers sure. who were people. Yeah. So yeah. he liked pigs better than people, I think. I, I think but, I know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of uh, farmers and ranchers yeah. that uh, like their animals. Uh, uh, but And he uh, said, I'm not going to do this uh, uh, stall-free thing because I don't think it's as healthy. Uh-huh. Now, I also know hog farmers that say, I can make it work. On my place, I know how to make it work. You know, maybe death rates are a little higher, but, you know, I know it's better for the sows. And, and certainly, the, you know, like, uh, like I started off with, you don't do everything for just health reasons. Mental health also matters. And oh, that's, sure. the, that's the way people think about the sows. And they're certainly, you know, they're mammals and uh, animal scientists are careful not to anthropomorphize a farm animal. You and I probably wouldn't mind saying the sow likes that better. And, you know, it's not like we've done psychological tests on sow's preferences. Oh, no, no, no. And I've seen, sows, see I've, their seen sows out, I've seen sows outside that were miserable, too. So, yep. They, yep. you know, it, there's, right. there's other examples where people think that it's just wonderful. They can all be loose. They used to stick nose rings in so they couldn't go root. And they were, you know, there's a whole bunch of yep. issues yep. with outside, too. But I guess... Uh, but now let's bring it back to like the uh, effect. So if there, there are uh, farms that aren't using these crates or stalls, if you will, depending on your point of view, yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, but there are people that are doing that. Now, I would, I would suspect that if they have allowed uh, 24 feet, they wouldn't have any trouble uh, supplying their, their packer uh, with pigs that would fit California. So here's the deal. Uh, the standard was 20 square feet. Everybody in the industry was roughly at 20. Almost mm-hmm. nobody was at 24. Mm-hmm. So that meant you have a pin that's designed for, tw- for, for, let's say, 20 pigs at 20 square foot each. So what's that? 400 square feet. Yeah. So that's the size of my pin. 
and I've got to get a, two or three sows out of there to get up to 24 square feet. I've got to get rid of 20% of the pigs. In fact, so I got to get, I got 16 pigs now in my 400 square feet yeah. to, to meet it. Well, I've got to have more housing for those other pigs. So I've, I've got to do something there and it's going to be a little more expensive because I've got the capital cost of this barn, but it's yeah. not just that because they also give a, we have a bit fewer live pigs of, few pregnancies don't happen as quickly because I can't monitor the pigs. So there's a whole bunch of other little costs that I add Mm -hmm. when I give them more square feet per pig. The other thing is that California had some rules about how quickly do you have to move them? So they're allowed to be in an individual stall to give birth. It's like going to the hospital to give birth or something. You, they're individually, and also you're trying to protect the little baby pigs so that the carrying you know, crates. Yeah, you don't have a bunch of little baby pigs in a pen right. full of sows. Okay, so that's still allowed. How quickly does that sow have to go back into the pen? And California has a bunch of rules about that, and you've got to comply with those rules. Now we make an exception in our rules for if the sows are sick. You know, she can be in an individual pen for a little longer if she hasn't recovered from the birth as quickly as California thinks she should. But then you have to document that. And that's a little bit expensive. And so every one of these rules, we have a long list of rules, by the way. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to some farmers that weren't aware that farrowing crates were excluded. I think it's only like three weeks, but it's something because they just assume we've been talking about these crates and they thought they were farrowing, which for people that don't know farrowing, it's when they're having baby pigs. And sows tend to lay on them and squish them if they, and that's what, why you get those, these farrowing stalls is that it protects the little pigs while they're getting started. And um, so I had a lot of people that, again, in agriculture that were surprised that they, that it wasn't um, included, at least yeah. for the three week period of time. Well, and we've got, uh, you know, there's so few hogs in California that uh, you can be in your, you can spend your whole life in agriculture in California and hardly ever see a pig. Um mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, those of us, uh, I happened to grow up in California agriculture, and the first pig I had was one I actually caught at the Dixon Mayfair in a, in a grease pig contest. We didn't have hogs at my house, uh, but I caught a pig, and the prize for catching a pig was you got to keep your pig. Yeah, that's great. I talk to them. People, in fact, I, I, I've told that story uh, before to urban people, and they said, oh, so you had a pet. And I said, no, I had a hog. Hogs are farm animals. We ate it. You know, I, I fed it out and, and ate it. And he said, well, how could you possibly do that? Said, well, you know, we had lots of dogs and cats. Those were our pets. But, Pig, but a hog I, was a farm animal. You pigs, know, and put me, pigs put me through school. So I'm there you go. And I've even got a scar on my knee where a Hampshire sow bit me. So yeah. they can they can be they can bite back. So they can be plenty mean. That's right. No, they can too. So what I want to get back to though, Dan, is that now if the implementation, there's still challenges and regulations that are being finalized. And I, I think one thing that this is to go into effect uh, on pigs born in 2022. Is that right? So that assuming the rest of this regulation comes along, you still got like six months, pigs born this week. Uh, going to be going to market in around six months or so at 275 or 280. I'm not sure what the weights are right now. Uh, and so it's only those six months before that, you know, they're really starting to be marketed, I assume. Yeah, the, the rule is uh, any sow um, uh, who's, who's um, 
to comply, it's the mother. And so the mother has to starting now be in the right kind of housing. And, and that could be a pig being born now, or it could be a pig being born later than now. But the sows now have to be in California approved housing. Yeah. And I'm just showing yeah. off my, my pig knowledge here because it's three months, yeah. three weeks, and three days after the um, after their bread when they yeah. usually when that you got baby when you got baby pigs. Now what I was wondering though is is uh, these packers that are coming up with these products that they're trying to sell California, they can, I assume, just go to the places that are strictly pins. But like you're pointing out, the difficulty is somebody's going to be losing money or it's going to be more costly. So a farmer that is basically, there's a lot of these farmers don't own the pigs, right? They actually own the buildings and they own the equipment. And they're well, the situation in the hog side is they they usually own the, it's a little bit different than the broilers or or the feedlots for the steers. Here they typically will own their own sows. They oh, may have right. a con- they they may have a contract uh, for supplying a certain uh, supplier, uh-huh. uh, but so so let's let's trace through the little supply chain here. Sure. I've, I've I've got a farm. I've taken uh, four sows out of every pen, uh, and I've, I've so I've I've got a smaller hog operation by twenty percent than I had before because I didn't build a new building. Because right. you know, uh, I did. Right. I didn't want to invest in that until I found out all the lawsuits were done. Because sure. of course, everybody's suing each other. Everybody's suing California over yeah. this. And then, uh, so so I've got the sows out starting January one out of these pens. I've got sixteen rather than twenty. My costs are a little higher. I make sure I get them back into the pens after those so many days. Uh, to make sure that I've complied with the California regulations. I then sell the pigs as soon as they're weaned, those baby pigs. And that's one way to do uh-huh. it. So let's take that. They Now, the rules don't apply anymore. There's We don't really care in California how those pigs are treated, as it turns yeah. out, the ones we're actually going to. They go through the supply chain. They've got a little tag on them that says, I'm going to California, or right. a little stamp on them, because you want to keep – they were a little more expensive. That baby pig costs a little more. Yeah. Remember, because it you had to give the mom more space and treat him a little bit special. So that pig is more expensive. You don't want to get him mixed in with the other. The second thing you don't want to do is be sh- shipping the Safeway and Davis the meat from the pig that didn't comply to who, whose mother wasn't treated California way. Right. So I've got these two pins. One's the California pigs. Now they're baby pigs. The yeah. other is the ones that are going everywhere else in North America. Yeah, they get they get now as as forty pound pigs. They're probably sold sold to the guy that's finishing, and they call them right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they get up to around three hundred pounds, just as you say. And and those pigs, uh, that and, and they've still got their California stamp on them, so that you don't get them mixed up with the other guys. But now you're going to the, to the uh, processing plant. Right. They're plants processing thousands and thousands of pigs every day. The, the, uh, we're not going to describe this process, but they go from a live pig to a pork chop at the other yeah. end of the, right. the, the process. The disassembly plant. And you cannot keep pigs separately in, in these modern plants. There's just no, you're not doing them one at a time. Let me put it that way. There's belts oh. running. All the, all the time in this plant. So what that means 
is you say, I will, California is about 10% of North American pork. I'm going to process California pigs one-tenth of the time. So Tuesday mornings, I'll do California pigs on Tuesday mornings. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the week, I'm doing the pigs for all everywhere else in North America. And most of these processing plants are in Nebraska or Iowa or somewhere pretty near where the corn and soybeans are, which I fed the pigs. The pigs might be born in Manitoba. They've been shipped down to Iowa. They're destined for uh, uh, the Rayleighs here in Sacramento. Right. Um, but but they're, they're turned into a pork chop somewhere in, in Nebraska. Hmm. Now I bet, but I've got to keep them separate. So I got to, I'll process on a separate day and that keeping them separate through that process is not free. Yeah. And, and segregating the pigs is not all that expensive. Keeping the meat separate really does mean that I've got a real scheduling issue. And some processing plants say, I'm not going to bother. It's only 10% of the pigs. I'm going to, I'll specialize in the rest of the United States. So I may have to, if I'm, if I'm a California compliant hog farmer, I may have to haul, haul them a little further. You know, I may have a slaughtering plant 50 miles from my farm, but I've got to go 100 miles to get to the one that's doing California compliant hogs, for example. Yeah. So there's little cost that you add throughout the process. Well, you know, that's really, that's really insightful. And of course, you're in the insightful business, Dan. And I'm, so I'm not surprised that you're telling me things that I haven't really thought of that well. Because I, a couple of things, just to like back up a little bit, is yeah. that I, I kind of have this simplistic view of you're either in the pens or you're in the what I call gestation crates. But, yeah. but, but the, what you're pointing out, though, is so much of the business, um, they're not really feral to finish. There's a lot of them that are producing feeder pigs, the people and the yeah. The ones affected are the are the actual breeding stock, and and so this this segregation issue, uh, I haven't heard anybody talking much about that. Uh, but that makes a lot of sense. That it's it turns out it's most of the cost. I bet it. It's bet more it. of the cost, be just because of the handling costs as you go along. Uh, it it co- it's it's maybe five or ten percent more expensive at the baby pig stage. 15 or 20, you know, it's, we don't know for sure. Uh, and it's how much it can, comp- because remember, we've already got a bunch of hogs that are in the 20 fair, four, square foot each yeah. meeting those yeah. standards. Now we're talking about going a little further than that. And that ends up, but keeping that hog and that pork separate. And the way I like to say it is you also don't want to hire Dan to drive the forklift on the loading the trucks for California because he'll screw it up. You need the guy that's more careful and the guy running the plant. You just have to set up everything to make sure that you keep the California pork separate from the rest of the country and the rest of North America, because you don't want a lawsuit. You don't want to ship Safeway and you don't want to ship the Rayleigh some, some uh, pork that was supposed to stop in Reno. Well, because that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's awfully hard to target this correctly, too, because, I mean, you make a judgment on saying, well, California can consume this amount. And you find out that, wait a minute, no, we can. We got a sale running with Kroger in the Atlanta division and everything's all G whoppered now. And uh, it it does make it much, much more complicated. And it's a complicated business. So these people are good at it. But but, um, you know, this is a government imposed standard and, and they'll meet it. But it's not free. And some pork companies, frankly, some brands will say, never mind. Some brands of bacon will say, ah, never mind. 
you know, California was a nice market, but it's only 10%, so I won't do it. We'll start with their original point, though, Dan, is it's not that people aren't going to be able to get pork. They may have to pay a little bit more for it, but it's not going to disappear in the, That's right. in the state. Uh, uh, you know, uh, let me say this. You might have your favorite brand of bacon, and mm-hmm. that favorite brand of bacon may say, never mind. Yeah, so your sure. sister-in-law in Ohio may say, gee, I'm so nice to Roger. I'll send him a, a contraband bit of bacon once a year or or maybe yeah. you'll drive to reno and eat your favorite bacon uh, uh you know once a year or something but yeah. but for the most part we're a, i will tell you that uh uh um massachusetts has some standards that they actually relaxed recently because they're such a small market that suppliers were saying we're not shipping to uh, massachusetts because they also have some egg and some pork standards uh, that were actually even a little different than California. And suppliers just said, never mind, you're not important enough. You know, uh, one thing and they had to relax those standards. And, and so that's that just came up, didn't it, recently? Yeah, it was they, just, they, just in the last uh, a few weeks. Uh, and and that they, I wondered how that was going to come out. You know, one thing this reminds me of, Dan, we got to go back to the fact that this original Prop 12 uh, had poultry and, and uh, veal camps, and the thing is, they're not challenging it to the same extent. But but one of the messages that I think you looked in years ago was that uh, to head off these complaints on um, hens space for eggs, a lot of people in California made big investments, spent a lot of money coming up with different kinds of cages. And, and I believe they ended up just losing millions of dollars because they made the investment that they thought would make everybody happy. In the end, we end up with cage-free anyway. And the people that thought they were doing the right thing spent a lot of money and it didn't work. So, so you can have people meeting the California standard this time and find that standard could change. You're exactly right, Roger. I can tell you people in the pork business, and, and, and I'm just talking about the business here as a business, uh, they want to comply to the rules, and their biggest fear is that um, um, every state will have, you know, this same proposition, a kind of notion will go to Washington state, and maybe it'll be New York state next after that, and maybe Illinois, uh, probably not Illinois because they have a lot of hogs there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but some other places. Uh, around the country, and every one of those standards will be different. So now somebody says, gee, it's 24 feet in California, but it's 28 feet, and it's three weeks before you can put them back in the pen for California, but it's four weeks in some other state, and only two weeks in, in, in Delaware. And, and you say, gee whiz, now, we, now what are we doing at these processing plants? We've got to keep them... Uh, and as long as people are willing to pay for it, I guarantee you the pork industry is willing to do it no, if people are willing to pay I for it. I think that's important. And you know, the thing is, we have that already around the world because there's, what, eight, nine different countries that yep. already have similar rules and regulations. And Yeah, mostly in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, Scandinavia in particular. Yeah. I think Sweden's been yep. doing it since the mid-90s or something yep. like that. And, and food's expensive. And as long as people are willing to pay. There's one thing I want to say before we finish, Roger, and that is... Um, uh, if you and I said, gee, we don't like the idea of these, of, of sows being in these crates, we'll right. call them crates and we don't like it. Uh, 
Yeah. But Dan and Roger don't like that. Mm-hmm. So we want to change it. We would like every sow in North America. We won't go global with this, but we'll do North America, U.S. and Canada, because it's really one market when it comes to pigs. Right. Um, how much would it cost to get all the sows out of their crates and into 24 square feet? Right. Uh, we could do that with not much more than we're paying for California. Hmm. Uh, except we're only getting 10% of them and we're only taking the, probably taking the ones that were never in crates at all. They were already in pens. And the reason is because of this segregate, this costly segregate, we're doing it by setting a standard for California, what you can buy in California. What if we did this? We said, look, we think the California taxpayers, by the way, that way the vegans would get to pay too, because now the vegans aren't paying a penny of this. Sure. They care most. Sure. And you know, my daughters, for example, really care about this. It turns out they're not paying for it because they don't buy pork. Right. Um, but but we get everybody in California to say, would you vote for a proposition that won't cost you any more than this one? Uh, let's say it's five hundred. Uh, uh, $500 million a year. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? That's 12 bucks each. Right. Would you pay 12 bucks extra taxes to free every pig? Every sow in North America can be free. Sure. And then we pay that money to pig farmers for giving those sows a little more space. We don't care where they sell their pork. Uh, they may sell the cage free in Cal. And, it's, and if we get everybody, we won't get everybody. Because there'll be some holdouts, of course. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I I see what you're saying. But let me uh, let me but come we'll get back at this. Let, with let a half come, a million bucks a year, a half, half a well, billion bucks a year. Well, you come back a different it's, instead of ten percent. Right, right. Well, let, let me come back a, a different way, and and that is that uh, everybody's saying, well, of course, this is California. You know, these crazy people in California—they're always coming up with these unreasonable ideas. And I pointed out to some, you know. California was a state that voted no on GMO labeling. I mean, people yeah. just thought automatically that they would be on that side. So I think that California voters are able to differentiate a little bit. Yep. Uh, and the other thing, though, I think about, Dan, is that are we going into a time where people are um, are, are trying to apply how things are grown? And this was a really a strange one that they did. But we're getting more and more feedback from consumers that saying, I care about how my food's grown and I want to know about the process. And this is an extreme that I don't know if anybody saw coming necessarily. But isn't it possible that we see more of this rather than less? Um, let me say, oh, yeah, I think it, 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 uh, it's, it's not unlikely that this may continue. I'll push back a little bit, Roger. My grandmother and my mother, so a long time ago. Uh, really cared about how their food was raised. They cared so much about it, they raised it themselves. Uh, my daughters don't do that. They're busy working. And they live in cities and they're raising their families. And, and if they said, I really care about my food, I'll grow it myself. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll really know. And I'll can it myself. Uh, and I'll slaughter the hog myself. And she'll be, this sow will be raised in a way that I think is appropriate. If I'm, unless I'm a vegan, uh, I'll raise her the way I think she should be raised and I'll humanely slaughter her. And, and that may seem weird way to phrase it. I have a friend, Jim Rickard up in 
of Shasta County, who claims to have the smallest federally certified slaughterhouse in America. He does 25 animals a week. He does it with himself and a couple of employees, sells it it as Prather Ranch beef. The ranch is Prather Ranch. And, And he talks about how he minimizes the stress for these animals. Yeah. So he doesn't like the idea of putting him in a, these are animals on his ranch that have been raised on his feedlot. They've never left the ranch. He's got a few thousand cows. Uh, he takes his calves, he fattens them on his, at his feedlot. And he said, uh, it's really stressful to load those animals in a truck. They've never been in a truck, haul them uh, right, uh, right. hundreds of miles to a slaughterhouse put them in a pen they'd never been in with animals they've never seen before, and then put them through the slaughter process. He said, that's just not right. So he does it himself. Uh, And you can buy his beef. You'll pay a lot for it because it's not cheap. No, I know. I know their, I know their program. And and, and there's, and there are more and more like those. I think we are feeling like you've got many neighbors with the chickens in their backyards. I hear a lot of people that are trying to grow more food, but Pigs are a, a kind of a step further than most are willing to go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, right. and and it's certainly true that there are people doing more of that. But, uh, uh, you know, back when 10 or 20 or 30 percent of us were on the farms ourselves and those farms tended to grow more of their own food. Uh, these days, uh, I visited a guy a couple of years ago down in Imperial Valley with a feedlot. And, and we had steak for dinner on the barbecue. They were great steaks. I said, wow, you must, that must come, you know, animal you slaughter yourself. He said, no, I bought them at Costco. Where do you get your steaks? Yeah, <laughs> you I know, know, I mean, that, that's the way it happens. There was no particular reason for him to slaughter a steer in his backyard. When uh, You know, it's, it's complicated, Dan. You've done a great job, just like I expected you would, of, of highlighting something. And to my opinion, you've highlighted some things that really weren't clear even to me. And I, I appreciate that. And, and it is complicated. And I think the one thing too, that you were saying that I find kind of almost provocative and interesting is that perhaps the farmers wouldn't mind if they just got paid for it. I mean, that too, fine. Let have ever let them all have 24 square feet, but they need to be getting 20% more for their, for their uh, bother. There's, there's not, it's not like there's money laying around in, in farming, you know, uh, it's a pretty tough business. It's a low margin business. The people that are still farming, there are a lot of people that left you and I are two of them. Yeah. And the people that are there or what I like to say is everybody's smarter sister or smarter brother are the ones that are left on the farm and the rest of us who couldn't make it, uh, had to leave. And, and so they're, they're good at what they do. And if you make it worth their while, they will absolutely meet what the customer wants. And whether that's organic or cage-free or almond milk or, you know, anything you want, they'll do for you. Um, but but you're going to pay the cost. Otherwise, they can't do it. No, that's and, right. That's and particularly right. this one, where you say you've got 90% of North America that's got a different standard. If you're going to have a more costly standard here in California, mm-hmm. California consumers will pay for that costly standard, and we may be happy to do do so. Let me say again, $10 a person, uh, and for the 90% of the people that eat pork, so, so maybe it's $11 a person. And if you- somebody said, would you pay $11 if I was convinced that you could make the sows be better 
many people would say, yep, money well spent. Not everybody, but a lot of people would. You know, I, I splurged once, Dan. I went to the farmer's market and I talked to somebody who had such a good story on this. And I bought some pork chops for dinner. I was going to cook on the grill. I spent just under $100 for something like seven or eight, six maybe. And I went just to test it. I, I just decided I was going to do it. And I went the following week and was going to do it again at, at one of our local supermarket chains that you would recognize. And I, and I spent, and they were on sale for under $10. And, yeah. <laughs> and not many people are as crazy as I would be. And it was uh, one of those wild moments, but it's exactly, it's that kind of thing. I mean, you can, if you want to, you could spend for a different story if you want to. Yep. And you can afford it. You betcha. So, well, let uh, me say one last thing, Roger. Yep. I would I would like people to take seriously the idea that rather than require something to meet some standard to be grown in Cal- to 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 meet a California standard to be consumed here we say we like the idea of encouraging this standard generally and we could get a lot more bang for our buck in terms of animal welfare or other things if we just paid people to do it whether they shipped them to California or not, mm-hmm. it really is the case that rather than, than allowing uh, 700,000 sows to have more space, we could allow millions of sows to have more space for the same amount of money if we did it in a more cost-effective way. Well, you used to work at the USDA. Just go stick that in the farm bill. It's another one's coming up. We could do that, and and but but I would do it where where we, I'd put it in the appropriations bill to be specific. It wouldn't be a regulation; it would be a payment. You better hurry; they're running out of money. I hear. But, well, yeah. Well, uh, uh, yeah. Well, I think they print the money, don't they? They do. Okay. They just print. They print the money, and then all our problems are solved. You yeah. Know, hey, Dan, thanks so much, and and I think a couple just to, I don't know if, at a summary point you've given a couple of summary points here, but I want to go back. You said something in the first. If you're just a consumer, it is confusing. There's a lot of things to figure out here, but don't worry, there will be pork to purchase uh, as this year as we figure this out. But uh, but other people when you they run into you and they say, well, I, I would like to understand this better. And of course, now you can have them listen to our podcast. But beyond that, what do you what do you tell people? They say, "I want to figure this thing out and know more about it." Yeah. Well, t- two things. We wrote a little piece uh, in. If you went to the uh, uh, Ag Econ Department at UC Davis, there's a little piece that's written for the broad public. It's it's not 30 pages of math. It's uh, five or six pages with some charts and tables. Uh, but the other thing I'd say is very simple. Uh, we impose a standard that raises the cost of producing pork. Uh, that's for pork that gets to California. This thing is going to cost, if you eat pork, it's going to cost you 10 cents uh, or $10 a year more for your pork if you're the average consumer. And there you have it. And uh, if you don't like it, you, you plan on driving to Nevada to get pork. <laughs> if, if if it bugs you, uh, you but better. you'll spend more on gas than you will on the pork. Well, yeah. you know, if you've been seeing what happens when the snow's up there on that road to Nevada, yeah. that's they can't yeah. they can't make it cheap enough to be worth your while. Well, hey, Dan Sumner, thank you so much. I really appreciate your being on Farm to Table Talk. We'll come back and yep. talk about these things some more because there's 
there's a lot of issues here that uh, that you do an excellent job of clarifying for folks. So appreciate Thanks, it. Roger. See you later. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. If you like what you hear, go to farmtotabletalk.com and follow up.